It is the Live Transform podcast, episode number 285 with Dr. Jim Richards and uh, myself, Bob, my wife, Audrey, and I'm so thankful to have you with us taking this journey along and enjoying this series. I'm 285. I like that. You know, it's just the longevity, but we were speaking in our previous podcast of how just in layers... You know, yes. layer upon layer, you know, the term we use from glory to glory, mm-hmm. but yes. just the, the maturing and the beauty of uh, walking uh, with the Lord is very, very real. That's so cool. You even mentioned the word glory because we were talking last episode, for those of you who are with us for that one, even just talking about the continuum of righteousness includes justification, sanctification, and glorification. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of words to start in the first five minutes of a podcast, but glorification is the reward, the manifestation, the out, the outward, you know, expressions, yeah. all the things that, um, of that inward transformation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Jim, we're excited Good that you're it. with us mm-hmm. and to help us glean wisdom. And I love that we're on this way to Zoe mm-hmm. life, to that righteousness, peace and joy of enjoying the rewards and fulfillment oh. of a life with Jesus. Yeah. And if you've, yeah, uh, you know, I'm so thankful you're with us, and and I know so many of you have listened to all of these podcasts. Yes, and it does come to this place of the lordship of Jesus. Yes, Always. it does. You will hear that every again time, and again and again. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, if if we do, if we truly surrender our life to Him. Then and we're going to be a slave. We're always going to yield to righteousness, and see that's the thing. Yes. So many people who do not understand righteousness and think that they understand grace would say, "No, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything about that because you, you've been made righteous." And we're going to we're going to clear a lot of that up. But in every decision that you make, and you know, you can't do this in your head. You know, you can't do this from a works point of view or from an intellectual point of view. It's got to be a heart thing about staying in harmony with God. And uh, and so anyhow, I think I think I'm, I think I'm going to be able to I, I think about I've been thinking about what kind of examples I want to use to, yeah. okay. to, in a direction to, to, today. to yeah. convey this this whole concept of yes. righteousness I like and it. harmony. Yeah. I like it. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Well, we are ready for you. Well, you know, it's, <clears throat> one of the things that I, fir- I deeply and firmly believe, you know, if, 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 if we as believers do not understand thoroughly, I mean, I, I'm not talking about having a brief, casual knowledge. If we do not understand the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we will never truly understand the Bible. We'll never understand. I mean, we'll understand to some degree, but we won't understand very deeply or very thoroughly or, or very in a way that's very powerful in our lives. We won't understand uh, the covenant that, that God made, you know, with Abraham, which is eventually the covenant that came to us, you know, through Jesus. You know, you know one of the things I talk about in my, in my faith righteousness series, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I've had more fun uh, and excitement and personal things happening in my life teaching this this new faith righteousness series that we're doing in cyber church right now that anything that I've 
preaching years, and you know, you know, I get excited about everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So that that actually, I'm so happy for that we're hearing it, and I'm happy for uh, you because I love it when I get on a subject that literally wakes me up, oh, and yeah. makes me come alive, you know. And you get stimulated, and you can't wake up the next morning to do some more no. studying in depth, you know. And I can, I know exactly that vibrancy that you feel when you're just onto something. It's like you're an explorer and you are yep. onto something. And you know, the, the thing about righteousness is I'm telling you, please, please, if you're listening, don't run from this. Don't think this is going to be negative. Don't think this is going to be legalistic. Don't think this is going to be hard or burdensome. Because uh, uh, I'm telling you, this, this, this is the pathway to always knowing what to expect from God. So I, I, I never, people, it, it always amazes me at the people that think, you know, okay, you need a prophetic word or this or that or this, that, and, you know, I, I listen to them. I, you know, I don't despise prophecy, so I'll listen if somebody's got something to say. But, you know, most times I think, good grief, you need to read a Bible every now and then. Uh, <clears throat> but, but listen, if you understand the righteousness of God, you will never, ever be trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. You'll never be trying to figure out what God's going to do next. You'll never wonder if you're praying a prayer of faith. You, really, we can't even walk in faith. You know, you know, we think because we understand what Jesus did, then we've got the whole faith thing down. Well, obviously, Jesus is the focal point of all faith. But the truth is, we don't even know who Jesus is if we do not have a biblical concept of, of righteousness. And if you don't have the... If you don't have the first 11 chapters of Genesis down, oh, what, what I was going to get off into is, you know, like one of the big things, you know, I used to hear the charismatics and the word of faith people talk about all the time was, was you know, I'm in covenant with God. And I would say, no, you're not. And people are like, yes, I am. I'm like, no, you're not. And they would say, well, yeah, I can show you in the Bible. I said, no, you can't. And I, I would always, and we're going to get into this today in a way that's going to be so monumental that you're going to understand, start to grasp what faith righteousness is really all about. But I would, my, my thing would be this. If you have a covenant with God, then you are the one who has to never, ever, violate any any yeah. word of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, no, because I'm in Jesus. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't claim that I'm in no. Jesus thing and say that you have a covenant with God because if you have a covenant with God, you are not a partaker, you are not a sharer in the covenant that Jesus has with God. And so it's in the first 11 chapters where we find out that that faith uh, came before the law and that, you know, even, even with faith righteousness, we think, even people who have a biblical grasp on faith righteousness, they think that Abraham believed that he was righteous and thus he was righteous because he believed he was righteous. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that God told him he was righteous, and Abraham believed that, and that was, that's what faith right. Faith righteousness, nowhere in the Bible, is just based solely on believing you're righteous. Believing, believing, right. God actually <laughs> gave Abraham a promise about his identity, 
and about the fulfillment of that identity and how it, how it would have an influence on the whole world. So, so it wasn't that Abraham was believing that he was righteous. He was believing that he was who God said he was and that he would fulfill the destiny that God. And that's, why, that's what raised Jesus from the dead. It wasn't that he just believed he was righteous. It was that he believed that he, he, wa- he was the Lord of glory. He believed that his throne was forever. He believed that the, you know, that the, the scepter of his throne was righteousness. He believed he was who God said he was, and therefore he would fulfill the destiny. And so righteousness is not about just believing you're righteous. It's about believing your identity and believing that because of who you are in Christ, you will fulfill your destiny. And man, I could I could write a whole book on on that right there. I, I could write a five hundred page book just on <laughs> that right there. Yeah. So you know, you know, we're, that's the kind of stuff that you get out of the first eleven chapters. You know what uh, we talked about this before? What the, what Jesus taught about faith in Mark eleven? Uh, you know about the fig tree. If we do not know, understand, and believe what. God did in creating the 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 universe, uh, then we will never really understand what Jesus was talking about whenever he taught about faith, because he he described the exact process that God used to create the heavens and the earth. You know. So is that the process you want to start going for in this episode? Well, let's talk a little bit about creation. Okay, and, sounds and, good. And the righteousness of creation. Okay. Okay. So. <clears throat> As you know, as we all know, and we've talked about this before, there are yeah. two phases of creation. There's there's the heavens, and then there's the there's the earth. Now, yeah. it would seem that the word the word that's referring to the heavens is not talking about the realm where God is, because the realm where God is does not exist in the created realm. God has never been subject to creation. All of the pagan gods are subject to creation. The creator is not subject to creation. So the heaven where God dwells is not in this realm. So very probably the heavens, of course, would refer to the invisible world of uh, really uh, of energetics. You know, this is where I, this is where all of the okay. subatomic yeah. p- particles, this is where all the subatomic mm-hmm. energies, all these kinds of things, exist. And mm-hmm. the, the, the harmony of creation that we just with with science are learning more and more oh, yeah. about. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and so when we talk about heaven and the earth, the earth seems to be a generalization to the physical world. So you've got this, you've got the part of creation that is energetic, it is invisible, and then you've got yeah. the, the, the part of creation that is physical and that is seen. And so yeah. Hebrews 11.6 says that, says that by faith, we understand that the, the world that is seen, the visible world, was created from the invisible world. 
So you start realizing this this theory that I have or this concept that I have of the heavens and the earth being two stages of creation. This is supported in the Hebrew because there are two words for created or, or to make something. One is to create something from nothing. And so the heavens, uh, this energetic field, if you will, it was where something was made from nothing. But then... It was like there was nothing and it became a form to something that was already there. It almost, it added form to something that was invisible. Would that be it? No, it's close, but uh, no cigar. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) no, that's why I love that the conversation. No, I mean, uh, you're right on track. I I would just kind of change the the, the terminology a little bit because it doesn't have form yet. See if it's if it's right. invisible, it's not formless. Right. It, it it would be pretty much formless, if you will. Yes, but but my question is: Is it still there, even though there's no form well, yet? Okay, let me ask you this: Are the subatomic energies there right now? Yes. Can you see them? No. But they're there. <clears throat> exactly, and I I like to say two hundred years ago or three hundred years ago. If because electricity had electricity yep. hadn't hasn't been honed in or controlled, three hundred years ago, someone would walk into our life today and they'd flick on a light switch and think it's magic. Oh, absolutely! And it's like, yeah. so if that's true, that electricity has always been there, but they just didn't. Right. We just didn't know how to to control it or bring it form into a physical sw- light switch or whatever. Right? There, how many more things are there out there that we think right. that we have no idea of that we just have never measured or? Brought into a place where we can use them in a practical way, well, in a formed way. You know, my my def. I think that the definition that the church has used of the supernatural or of a of the miraculous is very unscriptural. Because, yeah, because it's actually all there. Because the 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 church has taken the position that a miracle is when something happens that violates one of the laws of physics. Okay. But it doesn't because he Romans one says uh, that uh, we that uh, by the invisible things that God created, we can understand not only the visible things, but we can also understand the attributes of God. So if God right. violates the laws of creation uh, to cr- perform a miracle, then He will corrupt our ability to understand who he is. Interesting. So a a miracle is not when God violates the laws, uh, the physical laws or the laws of physics. A miracle is when we use a higher set of laws that we probably couldn't explain scientifically. It's so far beyond our science, we couldn't explain it. Right. So I think you're right on track. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm redefining the terminology a little bit, but I think you're right on track with, with yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. That was a really great definition. Miracle is when we use a higher set of laws that we can't explain scientifically at the moment. Right. That's what I, I think that's what I'm trying to get yeah. to. But I mean, if we're ever increasing in, in this, like we're moving forward oh. to where, yeah. So then, so the second phase of creation was, okay, you've got atomic energy, you've got gravity, you've got magnetic fields, you've got polarities, none of which can be seen. Right. But... Nothing tangible, nothing physical, nothing that has form 
could come into existence if all of those aspects of creation were not there first. Exactly. Yes. So all the invisible things were, were set into place. And then when God said, okay, let there be, you know, a, a pl the planets or the sun or, or whatever, then, then all of these visible things were brought together out of these energies and polarities and fields that were that existed. So he he never actually violated the laws of physics, and he never cr did a miracle the way the church has defined a miracle. He just says, <laughs> "I'm going to show." You. Really, what he was doing is, "I'm going to show you what the law of the seed looks like," and and all of you all can do the law of the seed anytime you want to. But I'm, I'm showing you what it looks like. In fact, when in Hebrews eleven one, when it talks about faith being the substance of uh, uh, things uh, unseen, unseen, you know that that word substance can actually get into an energetic substructure, and you have to have a substructure uh, that organizes energy before anything can become physical and tangible. And so, so God was showing us what it was like to use real biblical faith to conceive something in your heart, to have an intention about its outcome, and to speak it, and, and it actually comes to pass. And the substructure, the foundation for all that was what God conceived in his heart. And that, that's really what Jesus taught in, uh, in Mark, Mark 11. So anyhow, so now... I'll just touch on this, and we could go way off the rails on this, but but remember, you know, NASA, in the I don't know how long ago it was, figured out what uh, what Nachmanides discovered back in the 14th century, and NASA had to spend billions of dollars to discover this, and and Nachmanides discovered it by prayer and reading the Bible, and that is that there were that there were ten dimensions that man could interact in before sin came into the world. And that when sin came in the world, we lost our capacity to interact with the other uh, other six or seven dimensions, according to how you look at the dimension. We have, you know, like now we have height, we have width, uh, we have uh, depth or, or length. Uh, but also, you know, also we have time. So time and space, some people just count as one dimension. So some people would say we interact with consciously with three dimensions. Some people say four. So anyhow, so all of the stuff that we consider to be supernatural really is more about things that happen in other dimensions, but manifest in, in this time-space continuum that we live in. Right, right. All right. So now all that's all that's kind of a foundation to, to, to get we're, we're yep. working our way to righteousness. So then now God. So the Hebrew word where where God said the Hebrew word there to say something is a word that the emphasis is not on the speaking as much as the emphasis is on the fact that, number one, he first conceived it in his heart. And then number two, he spoke it with an intention. So God conceived something in his heart. He spoke it with an intention, and it came into being, 
And 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 five different times, I believe it is, God would look at it afterwards and and see that it was good. Yeah. So that word good, again, that word good means desirable, pleasant, you know, something you would pursue, something you would want, something you would enjoy. But it also implies that it is in harmony. Well, what's it in harmony with? It's in harmony with God's intention. Well, what was God's intention? Well, God's intention was to create a perfect world, a perfect galaxy, a perfect solar system, a perfect galaxy, a perfect universe that would that would sustain human life to the highest level of perfection, where there would be no sickness, there'd be no death, there'd be no suffering, none of those kinds of things. God never wanted any of those things. None of those things were present. So, so every time God does something, he confirms it is in harmony with my intentions. Yes. So now that one of the interesting times, though, that God says it differently was after God created man. Because huh. after God created man, he didn't say it was good. He said it was very good. Yes. Because man was put here and... His man's role was to harmonize heaven and earth. Man's role was to rule on earth in behalf of God. And by doing so, man would live the, again, the most abundant, wonderful life uh, on the you know, spiritual, physical, emotional level. And every dimension, every, every, every level of life would be perfect. It would fulfill God's intention for abundant life. Wow. <clears throat> That's really well said. Now, when you think about the fact that every minute, every every minute, and, and, and you know these numbers I'm going to give you, I'm just kind of shooting them from my hip. They're not going to be 100% accurate because truth is nobody really even knows the accuracy of these numbers. But in order for the human body to function, it has to be in an environment that is within certain degrees of, of perfect. And so on a conservative level, there would be several billion physical, chemical, emotional, uh, spiritual, uh, I mean, you just go down the list, interactions that take place within the human being that have to be coordinated perfectly in order to sustain life. Yeah. Now stop and think about it. Your 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 blood pH has to stay within like really uh, uh about maybe one thousandth of a point to to perfection, or you would you would immediately get sick and be dead just in, in a very short period of time. 
And so everything in your body is always working to keep your blood pH at that perfect point so that you don't die. And if your blood pH ever gets off, you're going to die. I mean, you are going to die and it's not going to take very long for you to die because everything in your body is going to stop working perfectly. Now, so within your body, and some people say there are trillions of interactions that have to take place really for your body to, and, you know, for your emotions and for your body to be exactly as it's supposed to be. So really, if you look at the word righteousness, then you would say on a physical level, the body has to be righteous to have eternal life. There can't be any imbalance. There can't be any malfunctions. There can't be uh, any lack of harmony. There can't be any lack of sequencing. There can't be any disproportionate charges of energy because the moment anything in the balance of physical life changes, it changes the quality of our physical health and death sits in. Now, and then you add to that mix, like I say, the emotional factors, uh, the spiritual factors. You know, we are not capable of staying alive apart from some degree of God's influence in our life. And the more the world separates itself from God, the more the younger people die, the more diseases spread. Why? Because, because righteousness, which is perfect harmony with God's intention. So righteousness has to be maintained for the big life. So then you, you, okay, you, you kind of zoom out from the human being, and then you start looking at how many hundreds of thousands of factors have to be perfect in planet Earth. The position of planet Earth in our solar system. The path that planet Earth follows as, as it rotates around the sun. The tilt of planet Earth on its axis. I mean, you know, you just go down this list uh, and, and really you, you end up with, again, no telling how many millions or billions of, of factors Variables. Yeah, that, thank you. That have yeah. to be nearly right. perfectly harmonized. And to the degree they're not harmonized, then life gets shortened. And so then you look at, okay, well, wait a minute. So, so that's within the human being. Then, then that's within the planet Earth. And then, then you look within the solar system. How far we are from the sun, how far we are from the moon, how many plants are in our solar system, the paths of all the planets. I mean, you know, you want to be, and then, then you go from there to the galaxy, and then you go from the galaxy to all the galaxies, then you go from all the galaxies to the universe, and you start realizing that God's perfection in creating the heavens and the earth requires the harmony, the balance, the perfect interaction of more factors than there probably is a number that we could even comprehend. Wow. But now, now. Now. 
I don't meet a hand. I've never met a handful of Christians that understand Jesus' role in creation. But by him, for him, and through him, all things were created. But here's the, here's the one that, man, gives my head a shake. And he upholds all of creation by the word of his power. So right now, because of who Jesus is, these trillion, I'm just using the number trillion because, I, I mean, I don't even know numbers that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions. So, <clears throat> so Jim, people, because what you're saying here is mind-blowing, you know, because we just don't have a concept. But people, you know, they think of the national debt, you know, and how big it is in trillions, mm -hmm. you know, billion, you know, a billionaire, a millionaire. This is something that I have found that has just really helped yeah. me understand the vastness of these numbers mm -hmm. that we create. A million seconds is 12 days. Oh. A, a billion seconds is 31 years. A trillion seconds is 31,688 years. You know, so again, just the vastness and how great and how specific, you know, to the most minute yep. detail. And so when, when I hear you make statements like, for God to be able to conceive this in his heart, to be able to speak the words, it's just like, it's, it is completely beyond oh, yeah. comprehension. See, our problem is we want to understand God in carnal intellectual definitions. So yes. everything about God, we try to limit it down to our finite, carnal, natural mind because we can't control it. If it's if it's infinite, we can't we, we can't control God. We can't control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, golly, all the factors we can go into about control here. And uh, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, no. She oh. laughed. No. <laughs> about control. But we do. And and because I want to control yeah. my life. And then this leads back to our previous podcast. But this is where the Lordship yeah. of Jesus comes in. So when you so so when you start looking at trillions and trillions and trillions that Jesus has the the mental capacity to know all of this at one time and to manage it all at one time. And uh and so when when we when we limit God to our understanding, when we limit miracles to some and the supernatural to some uh, carnal, finite, understanding, uh, yeah, you know, uh, concept, then we have we have made God almost insignificant in our entire lives. 
Yes. But now think about all of these things from the perspective of righteousness and righteousness being the defined by its most basic element of good and evil. So, trillions, 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 an, un, an uncountable, an innumerable number yep, yep. of factors. All right. Now, this is my theory. My theory is, as individuals, us being righteous would require, you know, you know, I talked about earlier about how that the logos, among many things, the logos would mean that every single word in the Bible connects to every other single word and every other phrase, which would mean it, it, it mean when you're reading the word, God could show you something. Uh, God could take you into a dimension uh, and, and the the possibilities of what God could show you about about one phrase in the Bible could be one to a trillion zeros after. In other words, uh, it, it would create an endless, an, an unfathomable number of possible ways that that scripture could Im impact your life. <laughs> Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow! Wow! And, and, wow! And the problem wow. is, we're reading. By the way, we're reading the Bible, looking for a one-dimensional definition that proves if our theology is right. We're not even looking for how to live. We're not even looking for what you know what God could explode into our lives. But you know, listen, faith doesn't come alive inside of us, and understanding, knowing God doesn't come alive inside of us because we grasp the intellectual didactic teachings of Jesus. It comes alive because in our heart, understanding, see, understanding is the capability to grasp the Logos. And so, you know, just this, yeah, yeah. Keep no, going. so, so it's, it's just like God wants to take us somewhere bigger than anywhere that we have ever even imagined. But, but we're like, no, 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 no. I, I need to understand this so I can look smart in Sunday school or something, you know? Speaking of that, this is so applicable in my opinion. I was sitting this morning, woke up, and you know that, you know, to be still and know that he's God, I think that's when we absorb or we somehow, because our, our finite mind is sort of just surrendered to God, like yep. on every way. <clears throat> and so when we're there in being still and knowing that he is God, I think that's when he downloads beyond our mind and into our heart. Yeah concepts that someone would think are so simple that nothing is going on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Today, I s sat um, on the couch, <clears throat> excuse me, and I stared outside at a lemon for a long time. And I was just being still. And I just went yellow, oh. lemon, yellow, lemon. And I just got into the goodness of God. I mean, and people say, wow, that's trippy, wild, whatever. I don't care. What I'm saying is when I be still and know God and just slow down all my thought processes and just get into his, his, whatever it yeah. is, like he made that lemon in my opinion, he created yeah. that. So my, part of my theory is the more simple we get, 
to the concept of being still and knowing that he's God, understanding is being downloaded into me that is not to be spoken with words, but me coming into harmony and agreement with him just by being in him and through him and with him in that kind of a moment. I just think, I I don't know, I can't say that I have a a lot of, I'm just saying that that seems to be an agreement. No, absolutely. But see, the point is, we want to have experiences with God that we can go out and talk about. Which we probably, I probably shouldn't have talked about no, the women one. No, I'm not saying, but we go out, we want to go out and talk about them for the wrong reasons. Because We're not. I was going to say, because that is what I just said is not impressive. No. It's not impressive that I would think about a lemon for a long time, but yet I really wonder how profound it is to be that still yeah. and just know he's God, you know? So, yeah, I, absolutely. I, you know, we, the 21st century church is primarily Gnostic. We are trying to know God and explain God and create a gospel that is based on intellectual knowledge. And God is saying, no, I won't take you to the law of God. I want you to experience something that is so phenomenal, so far beyond Anything you've ever heard, and you know, that's what Paul says. He said, "Listen, this is this is this is better. God is so good; it's better than anything you've ever heard, better than anything you've ever seen, better than anything you've ever imagined. And only the Spirit of God can reveal this kind of stuff to you." But the, just like I was talking earlier about the Chinese word for logos, the Chinese word for logos uh, basically says the logos that can be explained is not the real logos; it's just a carnal depiction it'd be like it'd be like a kid taking some crayons and saying i'm gonna show you who god is and drawing a picture uh and that's us trying to explain and so anyhow now all these all of these variables that have to come into perfection into perfect harmony this is what righteousness in the physical world looks like. But when you start saying, okay, then the righteousness that would qualify me to stand before a perfect God might even have more components to it than all that exists in the created world. In other words, uh, when you start getting into not just what did God say to do, and and that's what legalists do, but what are the motives? What what are my intentions? Uh, You know, what are my ultimate purposes in this? You know, Am I, glor- am I glorifying Jesus in this? I mean, you know, you know what I mean? It, they're just, there's so many variables that come into us doing what we're doing and why we're doing it that the real truth is no person could ever stand before God based on their own righteousness because right. there will be a multiple. There will be, yes. There, there's no yeah. way we could be that perfect. No. So when I think about righteousness— and I think about faith righteousness, you know, so, so righteousness is I will undertake to do all the right things with all the right reasons 
all the right motives, all the right goals, uh, you know, all the right everything. And I'm so convinced that I can do everything right with all the goals and that I don't need Jesus. And so, God, I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand before you and, and wow. I am going to count as nothing uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm going to tread wow. underfoot the blood of Jesus because I'm just going to walk on it because it doesn't mean anything. I am going to count as nothing the spirit of grace which could really empower me to, to righteous. I'm going to call it nothing because I am going to stand before you saying I can do everything right with every motive perfectly right. Hmm. So those are your options. That or you got <sighs> Jesus who by the word of his power yes. organizes and holds Trees yeah. and trees and trees and to, trees and trees. To perfection. Yeah. To perfection. Mm -hmm. yeah. He holds those things to perfection. And so just like the world, the universe, just like it runs on a system just because it is upheld by the word of his power, our righteousness can work in us. And by the way, and we're going to jump into the three dimensions of righteousness. We, I haven't forgotten that. We just had to get, we just yeah. had to, and you guys can tell me how long you want to go and you know, we, we can cut it. Well, we got about 10 okay. more minutes. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll do an introduction of the three dimensions of righteousness. Okay. Or, okay. And I then we'll, it. then we'll see where we, how we get into that next yeah. week. So anyhow. Yeah. So, so the whole concept of righteousness having nothing to do with our behavior, which is where the fake grace movement has tried to take everybody for the last, uh, you know, 20 years, uh, is ludicrous because if it, if it doesn't affect your behavior, then it's not affecting you. If it, you know, dead, faith without works, faith that doesn't produce corresponding action is dead faith. It doesn't benefit you, doesn't benefit the world. It doesn't accomplish God's goal. So, when you, so we're thinking about righteousness from the perspective of just what does God say is good and evil? You know, and so, and so is God right about that or not? Right. That's it. He either is or he isn't. He's a liar or he's not. <laughs> I love that we got to last week, the definition, definition of right, righteousness. Right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Pretty simple. <laughs> who's, who's right? Who's right? Pretty simple. All right. Who's right? So now three words that, if we misdefine them, if we don't relate to them from a biblical perspective, we will never, never unravel the issues of faith righteousness. And these three words are justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, for years, I mean decades, when I would talk about justification. And I, I did this on purpose because I really wasn't totally sure how to explain the definition of justification. I knew I was like maybe 60% right in how I was explaining it, but, but it wasn't until I got a better grasp of the Hebrew language that I started understanding how to how justification, what it really is. So, you know, for, for decades, I would say that, that justification was the process of being made righteous. And that's sort of correct and sort of incorrect. Because in reality, there is no process. 
we we either we're made righteous in Jesus or we're right. not. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, but right, right, right. I couldn't think of a better terminology. Yeah, I get but it. The, but you know the many people who talk about have a very wrong concept of grace when they talk about grace or when they talk about righteousness or when they talk about mercy or, or when they talk about almost anything they don't make a distinction between that which is positional in Christ and that which is uh, practical or, or applicable in Christ. Now, the word justified in Greek and in the Hebrew, or justified gets into a couple of primary fundamental definitions, and one is to be legally declared righteous. So it is a declaration. Ah, and so being legally declared righteous, then that puts us in the category of being positionally righteous because that's so good. I'm, I'm positionally I'm in Jesus yes. and and yes. I'm in Jesus and I am righteous. I'm declared righteous because because I'm in Jesus and, and I'm in yeah. Jesus because I believe the gospel. I believe what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave, what happened in the resurrection. Right. So that to justification doesn't mean I'm any less righteous, but it means that as far as how I am relating to it in my heart at that moment, it's not really experiential. No, no. It's like when you're legally married, yeah. but you've only been married a minute. Right. Yeah. So so when we when we put the the whole emphasis of our righteousness being positional, then basically what we're saying is the if I'm in Jesus, then then that's all I got to worry about righteousness. I don't have to worry about living righteous because I'm in Jesus. And that you know that settles the whole righteousness issue, and so basically righteousness turns into something that is totally selfish, self-centered. Uh, uh, has nothing to do with being a benefit to anybody else, has nothing to do with our effect on anybody else. It just says, I'm in Jesus. I'm positionally righteous. That's all I got to worry about. Wow. So staying there, just staying there at justified, just gets us into arrogance and almost like, it's like no responsibility. Absolutely. It takes you to the place of no responsibility. Now, sanctification now, what's interesting is we are justified because we're in Jesus, period. Amen. We're as righteous as we're going to get. But that does not benefit us personally if it's not experiential. And it certainly doesn't benefit the world around us if it's not the way we live, if it's not experiential. So now, sanctification you know, the Bible says that we are sanctified in Jesus. So the fact that we have been baptized into the body of Christ means, again, positionally and legally, we are set apart from the world. We are set apart from sin and we are set apart unto God. But as long as that is only positional or legal, then it really has no bearing on my life. No, not at all. So 
we realize that sanctification, when you start looking at all the ways the word is used, all the phrases related to sanctification, you understand that sanctification, just like righteousness, uh, is all connected to faith, to what, to what we believe in our heart. So the question is, Do I just want to be legally set free from sin and then go ahead and sin all I want to? Well, you know, the Apostle Paul asked that question. He said, are you saying <coughs> that because, you know, because we're under grace and not under law, we should continue in sin? He said, God forbid. And, you know, Paul wasn't talking to lost people when he reminded them the wages of sin is still death. Sin still kills you. Mm-hmm. And so sanctification is either going to be positional or experiential, if it's experiential, then we believe that we have been made righteous. We commit ourselves to righteousness, like Paul talked about. Okay, you know, whose slave are you going to be? Who are you going to yield to? Right, right, sin, you know, right. sin or righteousness. And if we yield ourselves to righteousness, then we experience the grace of God that empowers us to righteousness. So then we experience the being moved away from sin. We experience being moved away from death and destruction, and we experience being moved into connection with Jesus. But it's either going to, it's either going to be a positional legal thing or it's going to be an experiential thing, or really it should be both. Definitely. Now, glorification is when the world sees us modeling or demonstrating God as Jesus presented him to Mm -hmm. such a degree that they look at our behavior, they look at the way we treat people, they look at our lives, and they glorify God. And so, the, you know, Israel never wanted to fulfill the part of their destiny that Abraham wanted to fulfill. See, God told Abraham, this is, this is, this is who you are. You, you are, in my eyes, the father of many nations. And, you know, you, out of your loins will come a child. Out of Sarah's womb will come a child. And, and out of this child will come the promise. And so, so again, you know, with Abraham, it's like, it's like, this is who you are. This is what you will accomplish. But then the ultimate outcome was the glorification in that through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so, you know, God even at one time basically said, you know, I'm going to go down and talk to Abraham about some stuff I'm going to do because I know he'll teach his children. I know he'll influence other people. So, but Israel didn't want to do that. They just wanted to rule the world from Jerusalem. The church hasn't wanted to do that. The church has just said, we're going to make converts. We're not going to make disciples. We're not going to glorify God in the earth, you know, by the way we live, by the way we treat people. And, uh, but that's what we're called to. This is so well laid out like this. I'm kind of glad you gave us the 10 minute version just as the topic, because it just makes such sense. Like it just, you can almost map it out. Justification, you know, to be legally declared righteous, positionally righteous, you know, set apart, you know, and, and yet to move into sanctification. Now we believe we are righteousness. We are righteous. We yield 
to righteousness. We receive God's grace to experience the power to change. We we receive grace to be committed to Jesus and in intimacy. And that's when things get exciting. And that's when the glorification takes place, when we're demonstrating to anyone that gets near us to taste and yeah. see that God is good. And they'll, they look at our lives and they know it's not me. They know it's Jesus. They know mm-hmm. it's God. And this is where the continuum, you know, takes yep. place. Layer upon layer, layer upon of, layer. Exactly, Bob. Yes. So, yeah. you know, when Paul says we are his workmanship created unto yes. good works. Yes. You see, you okay. know, right good right work. now, yes. the concept of grace is, no, we don't, we don't do any kind of works. Works are not important. Right. Well, then, oh, so right. you're saying that that fulfilling the part of your destiny that influences the world and draws other people to Jesus is not important. So you're saying you don't really care right. about them. You just you just want right. you just want you and your prayers answered and you to be blessed. Uh, but that was that's been the destruction of the church. It was the destruction of Israel. Yeah. But Abraham said, yeah. "Oh, that's okay." Through this promise, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. That that was very encouraging. And see, that's the covenant. By the way, we started talking about this earlier. You know, God points out through the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 3, I believe it is, where he says, and God made this promise not to Abraham and his seeds as in many, but one seed, which is Jesus. And so God made the covenant with Jesus, not with us. But because we're in him, we are a part of that covenant. We we can't just pick and choose which part of it. We're in the we're in the part of the covenant that says this is who you are. You are I am making you and declaring you the righteousness of God because you're in Jesus. Number two, now you choose to experience the power of righteousness in your life. Number three, it will be the natural expression of righteousness in your life that the world around you sees God in you and they turn to God, they glorify God. I love how it went full circle to this whole thing that we could never be perfect enough with all these trillions and trillions of variables. Right? How could we ever be enough? Like, I love how you brought it full circle, Jim. And just that Ephesians 2.10, like we are God's workmanship creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. Like that is Mm -hmm. our way of life. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I just love the um, the full circle that we've gone here, and I appreciate you um, giving us this clarity when it comes to these definitions of justification. I just very Good. grateful. Good deal. Well, we will, we will, we will bring it more full circle and more into life experience as we move forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, that's that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I loved our day together, and mm-hmm. um, I'm going to put note to next week. Practicalities for next All week. Right. <laughs> the harmony of his intentions. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going back, you know, to how we began yeah. today, and just the harmony of his intentions. Yeah. And as, as as you've said, you know, so many times that you know from his heart, yeah. you know, this this he thought of me, he saw me. And this this world that we see, you know, the vis, the the physical world that we see, there is so much more yep. that we don't yep. see. And and I think in our next podcast, we'll get more into this place of harmonizing heaven yep. to earth. Yeah. 
you know, and the uniqueness of, of our role and position that we have here uh, on planet Earth. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward yeah, to that. This has been fun. You know, I love talking help me about remember the different next planes time. and dimensions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I want to try to remember to talk about uh, the, the, the DNA of, of identity. Okay. Because yes. that's kind of where we yeah. began today. It was believing our identity yep. coming up, you know, out of uh, Genesis yep. there. Oh, I'll and definitely so the remind DNA you. DNA of our identity. I'll definitely remind you We're on that one. We're looking forward to Yeah, it. it's going to be good. Deal. All right, Jim. Thanks, good, everyone. Goodbye, Jim, our BFF. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next week. Thanks. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And be sure to share the podcast with others. Sending so much love to you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.